Welcome to the Gold Standard. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And my name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the sports reporter for the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene, and you can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. Loose episode. This is the Gold Standard After Dark, Michael. I don't think we've ever actually recorded one after dark, but I don't know about you, but uh, it's the day before Thanksgiving when, when we're recording this, following the 3 nothing loss to the Detroit Red Wings, uh, and I'm on my second cocktail. So just want to let you guys know where you all stand with me tonight, and I, and I love you all for hanging out, and obviously, Michael, uh, appreciate you hanging out. Make sure you check out It's All Your Fault, of course, from the Nashville scene and the Nashville Post. Read all of Michael's work on the website and uh, follow him on Twitter at MGSports underscore, as you just alluded to. Uh, I'm feeling kind of loose, man. I'm feeling kind of happy because we actually have we, – uh, we, we, we weren't going to come on until after the Detroit game because I wanted to see all five games. Now, as it turns out, Detroit didn't exactly give us a, a, a great finish to the, to the, the stretch here before recording but really great homestand for this team i know you guys talked about some of that on it's all your fault uh but there is some positivity i'm feeling some good vibes heading into the holiday weekend yeah i mean they've looked like for the last five or six games they've looked like a completely different team in the first 14 games changing the lineup seemed to help the goalies seem to be playing better i mean i think this is a team that i don't want to be too overly optimistic but maybe they're they're figuring some things out Yes, we shall see. So lineups, first periods, power play, goaltending, all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have some fun tonight. Again, loose episode, uh, short episode. We do appreciate you guys. Rate, review, subscribe, share the product. Make sure you check out all the great stuff from the post and the scene. Um, before we do, of course, any of that, Mike, the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers. Oh, that was good. That was clear. That was like right into the microphone. Like I could, I, I felt the passion there behind Jaspers. Go to Jaspers, everybody. It's a free place to go watch great Preds games. You got great specials. Uh, if you're done with Turkey, you know, I don't know when you're done with Turkey, Mike. I'm done with it by like maybe Sunday or Monday. So if you're done with Turkey at some point during the weekend and you need a change of pace and you want a smash burger and some sweet potato fries covered in barbecue, go to Jaspers, right? Oh, I'm, I'm done with Turkey by like Saturday. It pretty fast for you? Are you a ham? Yeah. Are you a ham guy on Thanksgiving? No, I I can't stand ham. I, I love turkey, but I get really ham. get really full and really quick of it really quickly. <laughs> so I, I think I, I like Thanksgiving. I like the cold turkey sandwiches the next day, but after that, I'm done. Okay, all right. So by the time the Preds get to Columbus on Saturday, you're like ah, you know, I, I'm good with the turkey. I'm I'm done with that. I, I will say, I feel like turkey. Turkey is UC Saros is the turkey of this team by the way. We, just, we mean that in a good way. <laughs> yes. Like it, it is, it is just sort of the constant always delivers. And if played correctly, if cooked correctly, always delivers and is just there to help carry your meal. Right. Yeah. I can, I can, I can get behind that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> You're good with this random off the cuff. Thanksgiving yeah. hockey analogy. Cause I just, I was thinking, I was like, you know, like if, there, if who's the Turkey on this Nashville Predators team. And like your first thought, okay, Philip Forsberg on offense, Roman Yossi, but really it's not like to me, I, I don't know about you. I'm a stuffing guy, by the way, go to Jasper's uh, smash burger, $10 beers, $3 during Preds games, home and road. Uh, great place to park, free place to park. Great place to watch games. If you're watching the world cup, if you're watching the Titans, if you're watching college football, 
Uh, Preds, obviously, they're, they're huge supporters and partners of the National Predators. So check out Jasper. Support local business when you're done with all your turkey. And, of course, Weiss Liquors as well, right there in East Nashville, right there near the interstate. It's, it's super, super quick and, and convenient for anybody driving home after work. You want to swing by and grab some booze, uh, you, you know, some wine. Andrew's the guy. You can buy some bourbon, some some wine. I'm I'm not a big wine guy. I don't. I, I know you're not a. Are you a big? You're not a big wine guy, right? No, I'm not. I don't. I don't drink a lot at all. Pretty much. No, no I, and I'm not a wine person at all. Like I don't understand anything after like anything over eleven dollars. All taste the same to me. Um, so I'm more of an apple juice kind of guy. <laughs> so if I have to bring wine to like my family's dinner or something this weekend. And they're like, Hey, pick up a nice Zinfandel. I'm like, I have no clue. So like I go in, I talk to Andrew, I go, Andrew, help me out with this, please. And he gives me like a good, he's been the manager there forever. They're, they're super awesome, man. They're great people though. Like I'm, I'm intimidated by wine. It's fine. If you are too, go talk to Andrew at Weiss Liquors, family owned and operated since 1932, locally owned support local business. And of course, Uber eats search Weiss Liquors and have the booze delivered to your house. Let's say you've eaten a big giant turkey sandwich. You don't feel like getting in the car on Friday afternoon. <laughs> just just search Weiss Liquors on Uber Eats and have that booze delivered right to your house. Okay, it's not it's not that big a deal. But Saros is clearly the turkey here because the turkey is like the staple, the the backstop, the thing that carry the meal revolves around the turkey. And clearly, UC Saros is the turkey. Now, part of the what I was what I want to ask you first here on the show. Are we comparing every Preds player to a Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> no, I'm not, not going to do that. Uh, I was really excited to get to Cole Smith and talk about what he would be. Uh, rolls? <laughs> I was going green bean casserole. Uh, are you, it sounds like you're not a green bean casserole guy. I am not. Yeah. No. It smells think, bad. It looks bad. Why people eat it, I don't know. It just, ugh. <laughs> I think it's more generic, though. I think, and this is, this is so insulting to Cole Smith. But um, I will say, I think a really good comparison, Ryan Johansson and mashed potatoes. It's something that, that you're used to. You always have it. But if you don't have it on your plate, like you don't you don't feel right. Something's missing and you know it. And I feel like that's very similar to Ryan Johansson when he's in the lineup. So so we're gonna do this, aren't we? So, no, we can we can stop there. I just I just wanted to I just no, wanted to hit on Cole Smith no, for a minute. No, no, because I, I like stuffing is my favorite thing. It is my favorite thing on my plate. And well, I feel and like I if you're if you're doing that, stuffing's gotta be Philip Forsberg. I was gonna go Yossi, but yeah, that's fine. Like or Yossi Fors- too. Yeah, Forsberg is fine, but Yossi is just like to me the meal isn't. It doesn't. It's not set off until Mama's stuffing, and I'm not talking about like like it's in the bird. Like it needs to be in the bird cooked, like <laughs> in the bird cooked with like some sausage and some sage and some celery and some onion and some bread and like some juice and some gravy. Like that is the perfect thing that brings the whole meal together, and that is the that that's Roman Yossi. But it is not the thing that carries the meal, which is the turkey, of course, to me, which is Yossi yeah. Saros. So there you have no, it. Okay, I'm, I'm good with mashed potatoes being right. Ryan Johansson is also large and white. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, so what I was get, but going back to Saros, like honestly, one of the things I was going to ask you just right off the bat, because the last time we talked, this team was six, eight and one. They had just beaten New York, the Rangers on Saturday. They, they beat Minnesota two one. They beat the Islanders five, four. They lose in overtime to Tampa Bay. Uh, all these games at home, they beat Arizona four, three in a shootout win. Uh, they go from six eight and one to nine eight and two. They take nine out of ten possible points at home. Yes, we'll get to the loss to Detroit on Wednesday evening, but so nine nine and two at time of recording. Um, they took every like they played as well as they have played the entire season. It, it's the best five game stretch I've seen the entire season. They take almost every point at home. They've got three more now coming up at home 
as well. And and again, if you look at Soros, 4-0 and 1 through that stretch with basically a 93% save percentage, 12 goals allowed in 5 games, so just a shade over 2 goals per game. I mean, we joke about Turkey, but like we we can talk about the power play, we can talk about Yossi scoring a bunch. I know you guys did a lot of that on on it's all your fault. We we can talk about first periods versus second periods and and all these other things, but at the end of the day, UC Soros has been excellent in this stretch. And I hate to tie the entire fortunes of the franchise to one player, but if I ask you what's with the turnaround, what's your first answer? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be Soros. And I think really since that that Edmonton game, that 7-4 to four blowout that you just kind of, I don't even know how you, how you would describe that game. It was just everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I feel like really since that game, Soros has had, I mean, he's he's been good the entire season there's been some soft goals he's let in the defense has kind of hung him out to dry a little bit we've touched on all that a lot but really what's impressed me over you know the last you know handful of games is how well he's played against other playoff teams you look at the the tampa bay lightning yes they lost three to two in overtime but he he had what 36 saves and 923 save percentage minnesota 970 save percentage against the rangers 971 save percentage like he's shown up against the teams that he's supposed to show up against and yeah he's still giving up maybe a few more goals than you would like Three tonight, three against Tampa Bay, four against the Islanders, four against the Kraken. But really, ever since that Edmonton game, he's really kind of found his groove and really settled in. And I think that's the, that's the biggest difference, other than like playing with discipline, which we can get into in a little bit too. But I really think that Soros kind of getting into a rhythm, the defense tightening up and playing better in front of him, that's been the recipe for success we've seen the last you know five, six games. When you say playing with discipline, do you mean the defense and, and actually the new pairings, or do you mean UC Soros specifically? I mean the forwards and the defensemen in front of Soros. Yeah. Soros, and it's tough because his stats look kind of bad when you take take away the last six games. His stats have looked kind of bad, giving up four goals, seven goals, six goals, like all this stuff. But it's hard to it's hard to really, I guess, take that into in, into the proper context because the defense is playing bad. They had Ryan McDonough and Jeremy Lozon paired together, and they were turning the puck over in the defensive zone left and right. I mean, Alex Carrier, he had a really bad play tonight, and we can talk about that if you want to as well. But Alex Carrier is really, I guess, yeah, regressed like is it. the word. I don't, I don't I like mean, admit, I don't like admitting it, admitting it because he was my guy. But yeah, I mean, Fabro has really kind of taken a step forward, and I think Carrier is kind of taking a step back. But I feel like pairing Yossi and McDonough together, getting Matthias Ekholm back over to the left side, putting McDonough back on the left side where, where he's comfortable. Um, that didn't work out. So you put him up there with Yossi, and I think that's been a really good pairing. But I think everything's just looked tighter defensively. I wish there was like a better way to phrase that, but they're not allowing, you know, opposing forwards to just tee off in, from the slot on, on Saros. They're not allowing, you know, everyone to crash the net. That's where a lot of the scoring chances, a lot of the goals that Saros was giving up was right in front of him, right in the crease, because he was getting screened by opposing teams and there was no one, there was no defenseman back there. There was a lot of out of position plays and stuff like that. So I think they've really kind of cleaned a lot of that stuff up over the last five or six games. Well, and, and even against Detroit, I know they had a bad second period. They gave up the two goals. One was on the power play and the other one was a bad turnover. So that's not clean hockey. But I thought, by and large, defensively, they were, other than a few, a couple of small mistakes, which again, eventually led to the loss. I get it. They were fairly tight. I, I, and I, Kevin Lakinen again has been a breath of fresh air as the backup to UC Saros because I think you feel comfortable playing him. Now, clearly, John Hines was riding the hot hand with UC Saros and playing him in all those games, giving him a rest. They've got the back to back coming up. That all makes sense. 
the other thing is, is they've been very, very good in the first period. And I thought they were actually very good in the first period against Detroit on Wednesday night. They just didn't capitalize. They just didn't create enough high danger, actual opportunities. And and let's be very clear, Billy Huso played a brilliant hockey game for Detroit. So sometimes you just run into the hot goaltender and the other guy wins because, you know, he gets paid a lot of money to play the sport too. It's um, always funny how that happens. Nashville has this this knack for playing opposing goalies and making them look like Vezina Trophy finalists. Now, the dude's like eight. I think he's eight, two, and three. I think he's won eight out of like 15 starts. They're 10, five, and four. That's a good Detroit team that's kind of rallied quickly and rebuilt itself quickly. I'm, I'm not, I'll be very honest. I'm not, um, I haven't studied Detroit enough to know how and why and where the, the rebuild has worked for them potentially this year. We'll see how the end of it is. Also, just before we go any further, it's also smart to acknowledge as you and I have spent a lot of time on this show talking about, um, you know, job, job security for a lot of people. It, it is, it is very, all of that is always with the caveat of, Hey, we're one week away. We're one pot away from this team being 500 and back in the mix. And sure enough, here they are at nine, nine and two. Um, they, they've been very, very good in the first period. And again, I thought they were good against Detroit in the first period. They just didn't finish with a goal. They went up two nothing against Minnesota. Held on for that win 2-1. They were up 3-1 after one against the Islanders. Uh, they were up one nothing against Tampa Bay. They were up one nothing against Arizona. That, of course, is balanced out by the fact that they've been atrocious in the second period. But they've been very good in the first period. And if you're going to get good goaltending, and and you guys, again, you talked about this on, on It's All Your Fault, Jeremy Gover, Michael Gallagher, It's All Your Fault. Uh, check out that podcast from the post in the scene. Uh, Roman Yossi has has obviously flipped a switch and become Roman Yossi again. Uh, they are two seven and two when he does not score a point. They are seven and two when he does. That includes the Detroit loss. So you package that with a power play. That by the way, they had scored a power play goal in four straight games. They'd scored five power play goals before Detroit in four games. So they were scoring on special teams. They were getting off to hot starts. UC Saros is back playing well. And imagine that. Look what they did. They scored a bunch of – they collected a bunch of points in a homestand. Yeah, and I think the power play is something that's kind of really important to, to I guess, kind of break down and look at as well during this recent run of success. So I was kind of looking, you know, just in the, the few minutes we had before we jumped on here. And in the 14 games before they they got hot and kind of really kind of – you know, jump back into the thick of the playoff race. The, so the penalties that they're taking, all that's pretty much basically the same. I, f- I feel like they're taking, <laughs> they're taking fewer boneheaded penalties, if you will. Okay. They're they're yep. not they're not disciplined penalties, but uh, the penalties are still the same. But so they're averaging four point five power play opportunities in this recent hot streak, and they were averaging three point three power play opportunities before that. They're also giving up the you know the same amount of power play opportunities to the other teams as well. So both of those things are even. But they're 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 averaging basically one more power play opportunity per game, and I think getting that extra power play opportunity, we've seen them cash in on on getting power play goals that they weren't before. I mean, they they jumped from I think they were nine point their power play was at nine point eight percent what a week or so ago, and then before the Detroit game, it jumped up to seventeen point one percent. Like that's a yep. big jump yep. in a four or five game span. Yeah, they, again, they had scored they scored twice, of course, in the power play against Arizona. And then against Minnesota, the Islanders, and Tampa, they they scored a power play goal in every one of those games. And and the big part of this is the guy you've been clamoring for for basically four months now, Yuso Parsons, centering the top line. Uh, the combos were a little odd uh, on Wednesday. It was Forsberg, Parson, and Granlund. That's had, underselling it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he had Janot, Sissons, and Duchesne. What? 
Um, and then and then you had Cole Smith, Ryan Johansson, Nito Nito Ryder, um, and then uh, Jankowski, Cody Glass, who's kind of. I, I do want to ask you about the lineups though, because Tolvanen finally gets into the game. He plays a <laughs> bunch of games. You got Jank. We, you and I have kind of raved about Jankowski, and, and now Parson has got five points in five games, which he clearly is not going anywhere for the time being. But even Cody Glass's use. The way John Hines is deploying Cody Glass seems completely kind of random and bizarre. Like, there's no rhyme or reason, it feels like. And, and I'm sure he's been asked about it. I'm sure he's talked about it. I know he's talked extensively about Cody Glass and wanting to see what, what he sees in practice replicated in, in the games and the confidence and playing with speed and all. Like, I, I know that he's kind of talked about it, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a rhyme or reason to any of the decision-making. No, it's... When, when I saw... The lineups for tonight, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, Forsberg, Parson, Greenland, good. Janot, Sissons, Duchesne, like, what the hell is that? Smith <laughs> playing with Johansson, Niederreiter. Like, I honestly, I want someone to explain to me why Cole Smith is still in this lineup. And I know uh, Emily Lindgren, the team reporter, has been defending him. I was listening to the radio broadcast while I was unpacking still from from the move, and I was listening to Max and and Skillsy talk about how, how good Cole Smith has been. I, I want an explanation as to why people keep defending this guy, because as far as I'm concerned, Cole Smith should not be in this lineup. I just don't understand it. When you have Philip Tomasino in Milwaukee, you have other players in Milwaukee that I feel like are more deserving and would probably add more to this offense. I just don't understand why Cole Smith is still in the lineup, but I, I, digress, I digress on that, I guess. <laughs> well, let me, let me follow up on that because I think it's funny because they sort of tell on themselves sometimes the Preds do and not, not intentionally. And some of this is just uh, unfortunately just the way the media works. Like I love the fact that they will send out and post clips from the admirals about all these, like just like sick plays like Luke Evangelista. Look at this awesome dime. Look at this awesome apple from Luke Evangelista. Like they'll post these clips. And, and then like when it comes time, we're going to wave Zach Stanford by the way, hit waivers and went back to Milwaukee and not call up the guy we're posting clips of. Like, I just don't, it's just, and again, I get it. We're not making decisions on what the Preds lineup should be based on what drives engagement on social media. I get it. Those are two different things, but it just seems, it seems so odd. (laughs) It seems so odd that like they're out there promoting their guys and then not actually promoting their guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's something this organization is really good at. They want you to get really excited about Luke Evangelista, but not so excited that you wonder why he's not being called up when Zach Stanford is being sent down. They want you to get really excited about Philip Tomasino leading the team in goals, but not so excited that we have to ask John Hines why the, the, the best prospect this team has right now is sitting in Milwaukee, who clearly looks like he's NHL ready. It's uh, I don't know the the way <laughs> the way the predators handle some of their PR stuff just really makes me scratch my have, head. Have you gotten any? Uh, I, I know we mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the show. Have you gotten any? Have you? I need you to do some action because you said you would do some digging for me on number of rookies who score thirty plus points and play like a full season in the NHL and then don't play again the next year. Oh yeah, the, no, I, I, I dropped the ball on that one. I, I need to be better about that. We we moved, and that's taking a little longer to kind of unpack and set everything up. But that is something I that's something I want to know as well because that's I I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I can't speak for with certainty. But I just can't imagine that number is very high if there's even anyone at all that's done that. No, not not for a player of his pedigree, right? Like I, I understand if like an undrafted rookie comes in and gets thrown into a bad lineup and all of a sudden scores, you know, whatever, like eight goals and 20 assists and has 30 points or whatever. And 
Yeah. Okay. He's not ready yet. And, and and to be fair, Tomasino was 20 years old. Like he was really, really young. So there's a chance that it just wasn't ready yet. But, you, but again, they're just, they're waving guys. And then we're looking at this lineup going like, what, why is, why is Cole Smith and Ryan Johansson and Nito Niederreiter playing? And it obviously didn't work on Wednesday. A lot of things have gone very well for this team. And that's a, that's a great sign for, for John Hines. It's a great sign for fans. It's a great sign for the organization. It's, it's great that they have found themselves. And I, again, even against Detroit on Wednesday night, I thought they played pretty well. I, I did not watch that game and think, oh, they just got totally outmatched, pushed around and played terrible, fundamentally sound defense. Like I, I didn't, I thought they were a pretty good team. Like, yeah, they, it was it was quicker than the score made it look. Yes, exactly. So I, I know you're gonna. I I I stopped you from making some more comments about the lineups, but oh no, you're fine. Basically, the only other one I had left was I I want to understand why John Hines is so against playing Ellie Tolvanen and Cody Glass in the same game together. It's only happened eight times this year. Eight times they've only played together. For 53 minutes out of however many minutes the, the entire season they played so far. I don't understand why if Cody Glass, you're selling this fan base on Cody Glass being a potential top six forward. I mean, he was the what the fifth or sixth overall pick in the draft. So clearly he had to have shown some sort of potential at one point for Vegas to draft him that high. If you're selling him as a future potential top six forward and you, you really want to give this kid every opportunity to succeed. And then Ellie Tolvanen, I don't, I just don't know if if he's run his course and the team's kind of over him. I don't know if, if they honestly have convinced themselves that Cole Smith gives them a better chance to win than Ellie Tolvanen does. I, I don't know what the deal is, but you have perhaps the most offensively talented forward prospect this team has ever had. And I, I, when I say that, I don't mean he's better than Philip Forsberg or he's better than Radulov or anyone like that. But his his shot is still very much elite. The skill set he has, everything he can do with the puck, it, it hasn't all come together since he's gotten to the NHL. But he, he's, you, I don't think you can make any argument. There's maybe one or two other players that the Predators have ever had in their system that are more offensively talented than Tolvanen is. And for whatever reason, he's he's not even getting a shot to be in the lineup. You have two young players like that that you are kind of selling as the future of your team. Why are you not playing them together? It, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be if Tolvanen's in tonight glasses in tomorrow like you can play them both together john like that's the thing you can do well what's funny is like they actually i mean he played he's played more recently right like he played from he scored against colorado and then he played and they lost of course he played against the rangers the wild the islanders and tampa bay and they got points in every game <laughs> i'm not suggesting that he's the reason but like they got points in every game yeah and he's played he, okay. 13 games this year right then we're just gonna put him on the bench okay for arizona and detroit okay like, well, is yeah, there, I, I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that he doesn't have a reason. I'm sure there is a specific reason, but I'm with you. You and I have talked about this with, with skill and speed and talent. Glass and Tolvin have pedigree, they have skill, and they have speed, and they have talent. It doesn't mean that that's the best chance for them to win necessarily. It doesn't mean those guys are doing what John Hines needs to see in practice. I mean, there's there, we're not in the build. I get all of the things that people are saying right now as they're listening to us talk because we've been down this rabbit hole, I feel like, every time. But I... I there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to Glass, Tolvanen, Tomasino, Smith, line combinations. At least I can understand, and I think you and I said this like weeks ago, McDonough and Yossi. I think I said it to you like like three or four weeks ago when the defense was atrocious and just giving up bad goals and bad chances. And I just said, why not let Yossi be the guy? He's so skilled and talented, he can play anywhere. Put him with McDonough and let's see what happens. And... Like that, at least I feel like there's some stability potential there. I don't feel yeah. like there's any stability in the in the offensive lineup right now. 
No, I mean, I, I don't see how anyone could, could make that case. I mean, except for maybe Forsberg, Parson and Granlin on the top line. Cause they've been, yeah, they played yeah. so well. I think Parsons really kind of been a stabilizing force for the, for them. And it's also allowed them to kind of send Duchesne down, move him up or down around the lineup. Um, I, I still think Forsberg, Duchesne, and Johansson is this team's best line, and the numbers support that. However, I mean, Forsberg, Parson, and Granlin are probably the, the, the second best line that this team can put out there right now. I think it was a good idea keeping Johansson and Niederreiter together. But other other than the top line and then Johansson and Niederreiter together, you don't know what the rest of the lineup is going to look like. And it's, it's not even a given that Johansson and Niederreiter are going to be on the second line tonight. They were they were the third line. You had the weird Sissons, Janot, Duchesne, Franken line up there. That was the second line. <laughs> so weird. Like, like, I like that you're giving Tanner Janot a, a top six role, but you look at the last two or three games, he hasn't had a consistent line for more for more than one game. I, I just don't understand. Maybe that's just John Hines and how he is. He doesn't like to stay with the lineup, you know, the same lineup for more than a game or two. I mean, I thought Peter Lovulette was bad. I think John Hines has got him beat when it, when it comes to this, but who knows? I mean... I, so I love like I will I'll be very clear I I I think Colton Colton Sissons is like my type of hockey player. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Cole Smith. You love Cole Smith. No. I, was to, I was about to unplug my mic and go to bed. No, <laughs> no. we'll do that soon. Uh, no, uh, uh, Colton Sissons is my. By the way, uh, go to Jasper's and support local business. Buy your booze from Weiss Liquor. So Jasper's Weiss Liquors, locally owned and operated for a long, 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 long time in Nashville. Proud partners of the Nashville Predators. So go to Jasper's and go to Weiss Liquors. I. I I am a huge fan of Colton Sisson's game in general because I grew up watching hockey in the in the nineties. And whether that's makes me like a flawed my analysis flawed because I have this human bias for people that just play his type of game, that's fine. He is not a a, a top like if you're looking for because I'm with you on Janot playing top six minutes and getting an opportunity to maybe score, but the whole entire point of playing on the first or second line is to play with players who are talented enough to get you the puck and a lot more opportunities to score. And yeah. that, while I, I, I've cleared my throat enough, I love Colton Sisson's game. I do. I love it. I've always loved it. I, I think he's incredibly valuable to this team, has always been valuable to this team. Uh, game six against Anaheim, what's up? But he is not the guy who's going to drive offense. He is not going to yeah. carry the puck into the zone and create chances for Tanner Janot. And for, I guess, this time, Matt Duchesne. It's just, it, that is not his game. And I'm okay admitting that and still loving and appreciating what he brings to the team. No, I agree, too. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Colton Sissons. I love the way he plays the game. I think he's probably this team's best two-way forward. I think maybe a step above Janot in that area. But I, I just, I, you're right, he's not a top six forward. That doesn't mean he's not a good forward, but he's just not a top six forward. Now, if you if you switch out, Sissons and Glass, and your second line is Janot, Glass, and Duchesne, and your fourth line is Jankowski, Sissons, and McCarron, that makes a little bit more sense. And I feel like that kind of plays to the to the strengths of your team a little bit. You, you make the second line more of a scoring threat, a little bit more speed, a little bit more offensive-minded, and then you make your fourth line a little bit more defensive-minded, a little bit more physical. Jankowski, Sissons, and McCarron, I don't think you anyone's worried about them going up and scoring a goal or anything, but I mean, I wouldn't probably want to play against that line because... I mean, McCarron's a big guy, hard to move off the puck. Sissons is physical as well. Jankowski has kind of been a breath of fresh air moving up and down the lineup. I, I like I like his game too, yeah. Yeah, and he, he's someone who I think has earned it. Cole Smith, five points in 19 games. You can sit there and say, oh, well, he's got five points. Yusuf Parson has five points, and he's played, what, five games? Like, yeah. I just... No, I think, you, I think, you were, I think you've... Uh, 
I think we've established that you are 1 million percent correct on Yuso Parsonen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for, for, and it, from, it's from almost like it's August almost, on. It's almost astonishing to see where he's at now, considering this guy was a seventh round pick. Yeah, it's and, really awesome. And this is this just speaks to how good the Predators scouting department is. Tanner Janot undrafted. Um, I think Victor Arvidsson was what a fourth round pick. UC Saros fourth round pick. They like they do their best work in the later rounds of the draft. And and I think just Yuso Parson coming up and, and playing as well as he had. I didn't think I would be this right about him when we were in development camp and we were in rookie camp. And I was saying, watch out for this kid. He's <laughs> going to be in the NHL soon. He's even he's even surpassed my expectations. But I think I think he's he's someone to watch out for by the end of the year, end of this year. If he keeps playing the way he is, I don't see a reason that he w- he would get sent back down to Milwaukee. Well, it's funny. I, we would joke about Sissons being on the top six, but if you look at those top six, I know they acquired Forsberg in the Martin Erat trade, but they they let's count him as a, a piece that they developed. They developed Parsonen. They developed Janot. Colton Sissons was a second round pick. Developed him, and then Forsberg. Yeah. So four of their top six line on, against Detroit on Wednesday were guys that they developed in their system. I'm, I'm going to count Forsberg in that conversation. Obviously, yeah. we know Grandlin and Duchesne. So. Right, and, and we know, you know, Grandlin and Duchesne. Um, but I, I, listen, this all sounds – I want to – this is going to be a shorter episode, and, of course, go to Jaspers, go to Weiss Lickers. We appreciate their support, and we appreciate all you guys listening. So rate, review, subscribe, have a great Thanksgiving, all this great stuff. I, I don't want to, to for us to sort of get bogged down in the negative because this should be an episode where we sit there and say – they took nine out of ten possible points at home. They they lose to Detroit, who's a pretty good team because the goal a goaltender played great and you didn't capitalize. They get Colorado, Columbus, and Anaheim at home before the next time we talk to you guys. If they were to do the same thing at home on in those three games, let's say they just go two and one, even they will they 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 in less than two weeks or about two weeks they will have gone from one of the worst teams in the Western Conference and under five hundred to a winning record. And Roman Yossi is now a almost point-per-game player. Philip Forsberg is basically a point-per-game player. They've got a new top-line center who's a point-per-game player. Like I, UC Saros back to looking like UC Saros. Nito Niederreiter's on pace for like 50 goals. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't – or I guess 40. I, I don't I don't want us to sort of lose the forest through the trees a little bit here on this episode because it feels no, there's, like it's – There's a lot of positives. There's so many positives that I – it is – you are never – in the NHL, you are always you're never out of it, and you're only like two weeks away from being a wild card team. Like I sat down to prep for this before the Detroit game, and I was like, "They're they're a wild card team." This is like, I'd watched yeah. the games and I'd like seen the run, and I was like, "Wait a second, they're in the playoffs right now." And so I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this has been a very very good week. It's the best week of hockey this team has played all season, and I think we need to point that out. For like, I just want to come back around to that and say, look. We're complaining about the lineups. We don't understand what's happening with Tomasino, blah, 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 blah. Their their goaltending situation today is so much better than it was last year. So much yeah, better. So no much doubt. better. And I think I think the complaining about the lineups kind of just drives home our point. They've had so much success over the last week and a half. Why the hell did you go and change the lineups again? What you had was working. I mean, you look, they're one or two shifts away against Tampa Bay from having a five-game win streak. It's It's, I don't. And I guess part of it is, you know, Yakov Trenin is not in the lineup, so that kind of affects things, that you're not going to have the Sissons, you know, Trenin line together with, with Trenin out of the lineup, so you got to find places to, to plug and play the other two, and I, I guess that's that's part of it. But, I mean, and even that Tampa Bay loss, I, I, I still think that was probably their best game of the year. That's the most complete game they've played. They didn't get outmatched by Tampa Bay. That was a game that I thought, honestly, Tampa Bay would win like 6-2. to two. 
and they they everyone played well. They really kind of played to their. We we joke about how the Predators kind of play down to their competition. That was one where they really played up to their competition, and I think beating New York, beating Minnesota, the Islanders, giving Tampa Bay a run for their money, you know, beating Arizona. Like, there's a lot of positives to talk about, and I think something that you know Jeremy Gover hit the nail on the head on on it's all your fault on Tuesday. He said. They've gone from having so many lopsided box scores to really winning those those close one score one goal games. They 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 those are the games that they've really kind of they get down a goal and then they just it, it snowballs from there. Those are the games. These are the games that they're winning now. They've gone from losing you know six to two, seven to four, five to one, five to three to winning games now. So I think that's been the, the biggest thing for from from my perspective of why this team is, I guess, kind of turned the corner. I guess in the fourteen games. That they that they had before they before they got hot, they were giving up three point six goals per game. And the last five or six games since they've really had their home stand, they've they've been allowing two point five goals per game. The yeah. defense and the goaltending has really kind of solidified itself, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. Soros playing like he's supposed to, and yeah. sort of and sort of finalizing their defensive pairings. I, I think that those are two major steps forward. And again, not to not to belabor the point here, but Kevin Lankinen has been awesome. Like as a backup goaltender, he he's been such a huge improvement on David Riddick, and and even watching Connor Ingram on the other side of the ice was weird. But Lankinen's like you get it now why he why he went to waivers. Like I understand because he he's clearly been good. he was good against Detroit. He wasn't great, but he was pretty darn good against Detroit. He, even in a giving up two goals on twenty eight shots, like he was still pretty solid. So uh, there's a lot. Of, what they've done over the last week and a half, Michael, is they have they, they've eliminated, at least for the time being, like the worst case scenario. And that's all you can ask for for a team in, in November. Like you just don't you you can't win the cup in November, but you can lose it. And they were they were heading towards that direction and they have stopped that problem. They, they have eliminated that part of it. And again, you take two out of three against Colorado, Columbus and Anaheim at home and you finish take the Detroit game out of it and you have an eight game homestand in which you maybe take points in seven of the eight games that that has completely flipped the trajectory of your season. So let's not, let's not undersell what's taken place in the last week or what could happen in a two week period of time. So, yeah. And I think, I think another point to, I guess, prove just how, how valuable Lincoln has been. Uh, David Riddick was terrible last year. I don't think there's any arguing, arguing that. So far, Saros has only played five games in a row before they've kind of given. That's the most he's played before Lankanen has kind of taken over um, and, and kind of relieved him. Last year, at one point, UC Saros made nine straight starts. He also had three <laughs> other stretches where he started seven games in a row before they put David Riddick out there. So this just go, that just goes to show you how bad Riddick was that they didn't trust him. I mean, Lankanen has, has been so underrated. I mean, he had... The second start of the se- of the season, then he had Saros had three starts, and then he played again. Then he had four starts, then he played again. Then he had five starts, and he played again. So I just I think he's really going to make a difference with with just how UC Saros is going to be so much more fresh and rested come the playoffs yep. when, whenever we get there. Yep. Uh, and le- again, going into Detroit, they had a winning record. They were a winning hockey team. They were nine eight and two. The only time they've that's the first time on North American soil they've ha- they've been able to say that all season. Which is kind of, so, you know, so. which is crazy. They had a five-game losing streak at one point. So that just really kind of puts things into perspective of, of how much they've turned things around lately. I guess that's not fair. When They had to lose two straight to, to get to 500. So I guess technically they would have had 
a, a two and one record after three games, right? <laughs> yeah. But you get my point, okay? I think my point is still valid that the they had a winning record coming back from from uh, from Prague, and it took them until game <laughs> basically twenty or nineteen to get back to a winning record, and that has saved the season. It's put them in a situation to be um, a playoff team. It's put them in a totally different situation heading into December, and they just got to. The defense needs to continue to play well. the The goaltending has to continue to play well. I guess John Hines is just going to keep messing with lines until he finds out what's what works. Yakov Trenin comes back healthy. Maybe some. Maybe maybe Tomasino finally gets a shot. Maybe Tolvin or Glass proves that they belong in the lineup, and, and let's roll, baby. Like we 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 got at least. It's very. It feels very different to me, and that's the beauty of hockey is that you can go two or three or four weeks and have just bad, bad, bad. And then all of a sudden things start to work and all, all of a sudden you put together a couple of good weeks and, and your entire perspective can change. So, um, uh, Michael, have a great Thanksgiving, man. Uh, unless you've got anything else you want to add, I don't know what, what else you want to add. I don't, I think we, no, I, th- I think we covered pretty much everything. I think we've given, given our, uh, our listeners enough to chew on until Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, all right. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Be thankful and grateful for all the things you have in your life, your family, uh, of a hockey team that's winning games and scoring points and collecting points. Uh, be thankful for local media. Uh, you know what I mean? National scene, national post, Michael Gallagher, intrepid reporter, of course, make sure you're thankful for, um, all the locally owned businesses, independent, operated businesses that serve you in the community, people like, I don't know, Jaspers and Weiss Liquors. Uh, make sure you support those and be thankful for those. And you know what? Just give your uncle some FaceTime this weekend, okay? Like, we all have the uncle that no one agrees with. And just, just but you know what he needs? He needs some community. He needs some FaceTime. He needs to be heard and seen, okay, Michael? Just give that man some time and just listen to him and just hear him out and, and just... Just make sure he doesn't go into a, a deep spiral into some random internet chat room. You know what I mean? Just, <laughs> just give him some love. Give him some. Give him some community. Some person. You know, some FaceTime. That's all. It'll have to be some, some long distance love. I'm spending Thanksgiving in Illinois with my uh, my wife's family, and uh, her dad is a big Lions fan. And as everyone knows, the Lions traditionally don't play well on Thanksgiving. So you can all imagine how tomorrow's going to go for me. But at least you get the the lion though. Like that's a good thing for the. At least you know the family's going to be committed to football, right, on, on Thanksgiving because they're Lions fans. Right? That, that is true. Because you could be in one of those families that doesn't like sports at all, which no one wants to be a part of. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could have married into that kind of family. <laughs> no, not with your job. <laughs> yeah. No, not with your profession. Definitely that would not. would not have worked. All right, dude, where can people find you and follow you and read you? You can find me on NashvillePost.com, NashvilleScene.com. You can get to me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. And my email's on the National Post website somewhere if you really want to there send me an email. <laughs> there you go. Which is I, I do get those from time to time. Which is now like snail mail, basically. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys. Support Jaspers. Go check them out, man. It's a great place to go if you want to get out of the house on a Thanksgiving weekend and go watch some hockey, go watch some soccer, whatever. Uh, obviously, Weiss Liquors, Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, have them deliver the booze right to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. Do not drive. Just have them deliver the booze to you. It's so perfect. Um, so support all the local journalism, support, lo- support local business. For Michael, I'm Braden. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you guys again next, again next week. This has been the Gold Standard After Dark here on the 440 Sports Network.